Hi, I'm Julie Morgenstern, and welcome to Time to Parent, the podcast that will give you more time, less guilt, and deeper joy. We've made it. Today, we are going to talk about the last quadrant, fun. We'll cover fun with a client named Rebecca, who you may remember from our episode on perfectionism. First, let's define fun. Fun is any activity that instantly relaxes and fulfills you. Our hobbies and our passions are examples. When I was raising my daughter, I finally went to swing dancing, and that was my hobby that brought me a couple hours of joy every week. Try to think of the things you did in your free time before you became a parent. What brought you joy? Those things are what fall under fun. Now, I know what you may be thinking. Fun? You want me to have fun? That's something for after my kids go to college. Not now. I have no time for fun. But I'd say that you're wrong. Fun is fuel for your soul. And building in time for activities that you enjoy is the best way to feel restored from the pressures and stresses of parenting. When you feel depleted, you're not setting yourself up to successfully nurture your family. So let's go to Rebecca. My name is Rebecca, and I have two kids. Uh, My son is 12, and my daughter is 6. Rebecca's kids are almost at that age when they stop needing constant supervision. Right now, they're in school most of the day, and as they become young adults, they'll have more and more after-school activities and social engagements. Rebecca sees a time in the very near future when her kids will be out of the house and she will have way more free time. My kids are getting older. I think I'm going to have more time to give to myself in future years, and I don't want to get to the point where my kids have left the house and then I'm starting to develop a hobby. I want to start building the time in now so that I can have a really robust hobby when they're gone and and explore that space and just like have that habit in my life of taking the time to do stuff that's just for me. Rebecca came to me looking for help finding a hobby and help finding space in her life for activities that she enjoys most. She wanted to build in more fun time. I I have this embroidery kit that I've had for years just sitting in one of my drawers. And it's always been in the back of my mind to start it, to learn how to embroider. But it's just been sitting because I haven't made the time to do it. The way Rebecca talked about her embroidery kit was so familiar. She bought it. She had every intention of using it. And then life happened. And life always happens. Really, that's the only thing you can count on. And before you know it, she felt off. I do feel like there's a missing piece to my life that's hard to define sometimes. But I can start to just go through the motions of work, home life, chores, school, holidays, family activities, without necessarily thinking, there should be space in here for me. But when I do reflect on it, I can see that there should be space. And if I don't build that in, then I'm shortchanging myself. Fun is that missing piece. Though Rebecca felt fulfilled in other ways. My time with my kids and my family is very fulfilling. And I love family time and I love doing things with my kids. She also acknowledged that. But it's not just for me. And that's one thing that I really want to prioritize. 
you know, just like reinvesting in myself. I think it'll make me feel better about myself to know that I've done this and the the only purpose is for myself, you know, that, that it's just me. You know, it's me as a person and developing myself as a person, I think, is very important. Rebecca is pretty intuitive. Aside from wanting to develop herself outside of her role as a parent, she also had a hunch about how prioritizing fun would make her feel in her other roles. This almost sounds counterintuitive because it's adding something else into my schedule, but I think it might help me feel less overwhelmed by day-to-day life because a lot of times it's like, oh my gosh, there's so many things to do, you know, and that can be a little overwhelming, just like keeping track of all of the to-dos. But I think adding in this time for myself, it's not a pressured thing on my to-do list, and so it, it might just give me more space to detach from that to-do list instead of being one more thing to check off. It's like, oh, I can take a break yeah. and do this thing that's relaxing and fun. The fun Rebecca really wants is fun that makes her relaxed and separated from the stress of everyday life. And her hunch that adding in fun would make her less overwhelmed is spot on, as I've seen that happen with client after client. To figure out why adding fun makes you less stressed, I talked to Dr. Herbert Benson. Herbert Benson is my name. I am a physician, and I am the mind-body professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School. And I have been working in this field for more than 45 years. Dr. Benson made a name for himself researching the connection between mind and body by looking at the physiological benefits of relaxation. Dr. Benson saw a problem, and that problem was how much stress was affecting people's lives. When we're under stress, we prepare ourselves for running or fighting. And there is a characteristic state called the fight or flight response, where there's increased blood pressure, increased heart rate, increased rate of breathing, increased blood flow into our muscles. Now, the fight-or-flight response is evoked not only by a physical threat, but also psychologically. Changes in your environment, which require you to adjust. Loss of a loved one, having a deadline to meet, having an argument. Uh, are all fight-or-flight activities. Now, these aren't minor things. Being in a heightened state of fight-or-flight for extended periods of time has some pretty serious long-term effects. These changes in the body are associated with 60 to 90 percent of visits to healthcare professionals, evoking anxiety, anger, hostility, but also it affects PMS, it affects infertility, it also affects pain, insomnia, and there are no effective treatments for these. That is no drugs or no surgeries. But we have within us an opposite response that we've labeled the relaxation response. The relaxation response. This is the term Dr. Benson coined. In more colloquial terms, it's a type of meditative state. And it is a innate 
characteristic where the body brings forth physiological, biological, and genetic changes that are opposite to those that are evoked by stress. So how do you bring about the relaxation response, and how does this relate to fun? To answer the first question, let's look at Dr. Benson's research. He looked at the relaxation response in the context of traditional forms of meditation. And there are many techniques that can be evoked to bring it forth. And they all have two basic steps. One is the repetition of a word, a sound, a phrase, or a muscular activity. The second is when other thoughts come to mind, you disregard them and come back to the repetition. What these techniques do is to break the train of everyday thinking. And when you do so, the physiological, biological, and genetic changes of the fight or flight response will be changed. This idea of breaking the train of everyday thought was so clarifying for me when I first heard it. And it influenced my thinking about fun because that's what fun is and needs to be. It's separating yourself from the stresses of everyday life, be it family or work. Taking time for fun is about putting aside your worries for a little while. And you don't just have to meditate to bring about the relaxation response. Anything that puts you in a kind of flow state can evoke that response. Meditation is but one uh, avenue that's used in evoking the relaxation response. For example, when you get involved with something, uh, playing a musical instrument, um, jogging, and getting into the runner's high, they're all the same. So hobbies and passions, these are the things that help calm your nervous system and enter this truly relaxed state. But what about things like technology? Dr. Benson says that technology actually impedes the relaxation response. Even if you're physically relaxed, your mind is still activated in pretty intense ways. TV often evokes disturbing thoughts, be it the news, be it uh, fires, murders, um, robberies, or what have you, which keeps you very much in the world. But the repetition of a neutral word or prayer or sound does not. I mean, it allows the, the body to go to a place where it's not being aroused. And by being passive about that, not, namely not being upset, when other thoughts come to mind, is part of the whole process. This distinction is something I tell all my clients. Phones and social media are mindless. They might look relaxing, but your brain is still buzzing and tense. Plus, we're on our screens all day for work and managing our households. So trying to relax by doing something on your screen doesn't actually break the train of everyday thought. Screens don't bring about the relaxed physiological state that's sought after in the relaxation response. The last thing I wanted to learn from Dr. Benson was how much time is needed to bring about this response. You all know by now, I love knowing how much time is needed to get the job done. 
Dr. Benson says you should build these moments of relaxation into your everyday routine for as little as 10 minutes a day. Only 10 minutes. That's awesome. It gives the brain a rest from everyday stressful thinking. That's why 10 to 20 minutes, once or twice a day, 5, 10, 20 minutes is so useful. And you actually change your genes activity when you do this. In other words, you fight the immunologic changes that are associated with stress. As little as 10 minutes of dedicated time is all that's needed to bring about the relaxation response. And things like hobbies, fun things, these things bring about the desired physiological changes. They break the train of everyday thought, and they leave your body and mind more relaxed, not less. After the break, I coach Rebecca on how she can use these insights and create space for fun in her life. Before the break, I talked to Rebecca. All Rebecca wanted was some alone time to do an embroidery kit she'd had for years. Then we heard from Dr. Herbert Benson, who told us about the benefits of the relaxation response and the types of activities that bring about this response. With all that in the back of my mind, I started coaching Rebecca. She'd already figured out the first step, the what she was going to do. The embroidery kit was a natural starting point. One of the things you talked about is embroidery, so it sounds like something that's very interesting to you. Like yes. you really want to do it. Yes, it's been in my mind for a long time, so I would definitely put that very high on the list. Next was looking for that when. Rebecca talked me through her weekday routine, and she was particularly busy from the time she got home to the time her kids went to bed. I'm usually helping them clean out their folders have what they need for school the next day, keeping them on task with their homework, and then tidying up, helping my husband get ready for dinner, or doing some kind of, you know, paying bills or household management stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a lot of time that we usually have between when they get home and start the homework dinner routine, and then when I get home and jump into that, and then bedtime is about two hours for all of those things. Clearly not a great time to build in fun. But what about after? What did Rebecca do between the time her kids went to sleep and the time she went to sleep? Exercise, I try to do two nights a week. Aha. So two nights a week at 9.30 p.m., she had a habit of exercising. That existing habit is important. But what was she doing with the other weeknights? How does Rebecca fill that time? Dishes, cleaning up. I do spend a lot of time wasted on, like, social media and, you know, I'll watch a show. So mm -hmm. I think I can definitely cut out a lot of that screen time and use it for a better purpose. Rebecca was stealing time for fun when she used her phone instead of consciously dedicating time. But as we learned, scrolling doesn't bring about the relaxation response. So I proposed to Rebecca that she take her existing habit of self-time at 9.30 and build on it. So what if two days a week she exercised and two days a week she spent time embroidering? It sounds nice. It sounds like doable. Doesn't seem outside of the realm of possibility. 
I suggested Rebecca build on her existing habit, her anchor habit, because in my experience, that makes new habits more likely to stick. We also decided that Rebecca would do her embroidery in the basement in an adjacent room to her exercise equipment. That way, instead of having to think of a new place and a new time, Rebecca built on what she was already doing and where she was already used to being at that time. I tasked Rebecca with setting the scene for herself in the basement. She needed to make the space comfortable and super inviting. Uh, so when I set up this space, I decided it would be on the couch in the basement. Then I even brought a candle down mm. and this really nice lamp. So mm. it was it was just very cozy. And I, I had a lot of pillows on the couch and this fluffy blanket that you can roll up and into its own pouch. So when I'm done with it, I just roll it up and then I can kind of take it out when I'm doing the embroidery and it feels like I've created this extra layer for myself. So even that is kind of a, now I'm going to do the embroidery. Like now I'm sitting under this blanket for half an hour and I don't have to go anywhere. And it was really nice. The last step for Rebecca was letting her family know about this time she had set up for herself. She was only going to take 20 to 30 minutes, but by giving her family a heads up, she was making sure that this time was uninterrupted and protected. On the weeknights, her kids would hopefully be in bed when she took this time, but by prepping them, she was setting a value for her family, that it's okay to take time alone. I explained to my family this is what I'm doing. I'm going to start embroidering. This is my time. And everyone was like, okay, fine. Like, no problems. You know, people were curious about it. My husband was very supportive. But I I want them to see that investing in yourself is a good idea. And I think the creative part, too, you know, just like taking time to be creative or to do things that creatively express who you are is a good idea. And it doesn't have to be a huge time commitment. So Rebecca took her 20 to 30 minutes in her basement, two weeknights. And so how did it go? Well, I really committed to the uh, 9.30 p.m. on the weeknights Mm -hmm. and the 4 p.m. on one of the weekend days. And I I just felt so relaxed. It was like I had not felt that relaxed in a really long time. And it was... I think it was just actually looking at how I was spending my time that I was able to say there is actually space here to do something else with the time you have. Planning this time beforehand and thinking through each and every step of the process helped make fun easy. Once the system was in place, all Rebecca had to do was show up and have fun. And how did she feel after she took this time for herself? A, I realized how important it is for me to make this time and invest in myself as a person, and B, that I had been stealing time from myself without even realizing it. I think I feel more like I did when I was younger, and I had more time for creative projects, and I did things just because I wanted to do them, and I thought it would be fun or I wanted to see what I could create. You know, that's something that in college was a big part of my life. And, you know, creating art just for fun was like a thing that I did that I stopped doing. So just having that creative expression that's just because I want to is a pretty powerful thing. 
What I want you to take away is this. Time for fun is essential to your soul. And you're probably already stealing this time every time you go on social media. Well, why not make fun time more mindful and predictable? Start by choosing an activity that breaks the train of everyday thought. Something not on a screen and not part of your to-do list. Then pick a time, create a welcoming space, and let your family know you'll be spending your time doing this. And then sit back, relax, and have fun. This has been the Time to Parent podcast. I'm Julie Morgenstern. My new book, also titled Time to Parent, is out now. Buy it wherever you get books or at the link in the show notes. You can find more information on my website, juliemorgenstern.com. If you like the show, please be sure to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. That lets people know there's something good to listen to. We're looking for questions from you. Do you have questions about how you can balance your time as a parent? Email them to timetoparent at macmillan.com. This show is produced by Becky Celestina. Editing help from Alyssa Martino and Katie Ferguson. Thanks also to Tatiana McPartland of Julie Morgenstern Enterprises. She keeps me organized so I can keep you organized. See you next week.